Okay, welcome to Meet Your Monsters. If one of your go-to sex moves is the Donnie Darko, this is the podcast for you. <laughs> the Donnie Darko. All right. Where you shoot him in the eye. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> for you at home, Meet Your Monsters is a podcast in which I show my friends horror movies that I love and we find out if they love them too. Oh, wait, am I skipping ahead? No, 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 I'm right, I'm right. The synopsis is It's like, usually me that interjects here. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, <laughs> somebody should be interrupting me. Um, we are shorthanded today. We are minus uh, Kathleen and Sarah. The girls ditched us. Like I said earlier, it's a lot like The Thing. It's yep. all-male mm-hmm. cast. Yeah, all-male cast. Mm. There was a lady in Thing? <laughs> in the In the new version... There was females, but in the yeah. original movie, I thought there was one that was there that got killed off. Hmm. No. Had to rewatch the thing. <clears throat> we will definitely get to that very soon. Okay, should we just jump right into this? Sure. Say why not? Follow us through the darkness of our wasted and festering memories as we struggle to recall the movie we just watched with this week's sinister synopsis. But it's got that cool laugh and stuff. Okay, um I saw one tagline that said Fear the Dark. This week's movie is the two thousand and one Donnie Darko, written and directed by Richard Kelly, no relation to Colton Kelly. Um, the hell is it? <laughs> <laughs> starring Jake Gyllenhaal, Jenna Malone, and uh Drew Barrymore. Drew Barrymore. You know yeah. what I have to say? I, I, what I the, one of the things I wrote down was this was a lot of like B and C list actors really doing a, a really good job. You know what I think it was? I think it was um, A list actors that hadn't been uh, hitting it big yet. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think. Well, no, I mean like Patrick Swayze at that time is you know. Oh, it was on the way out. Yeah, and, and Drew Barrymore too. She wasn't really popular at that time. The guy who was her boyfriend, I think he was on ER or something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's where he's from. Yeah. Um, yeah. No Wiley. Yeah. But they all did a great job. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was great. I have very little uh, very little to complain about this fine film. I'm going to be honest with you guys. I'm really writing jokes down. Like, I, don't think I, I couldn't think of anything funny to say about I this think movie. this is a fucking joke. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're going somewhere serious tonight. I We're going somewhere dark. To, uh, me too, I'm saying. <laughs> Um, okay, so when I first saw this movie, I, I was working at a place called Media Play, and a friend of mine named Greg said to me, you got to watch this Donnie Darko movie. He didn't talk like that at all, but that's what he said. <laughs> and so I got it, and sure enough, it was a fucking amazing movie that blew my mind. I didn't know what the hell was happening, and we would spend a good chunk of each day not working and trying to talk about, like, what the fuck happened on Donnie Darko. <laughs> um, I think people should see this movie because it is... It is amazing. Most most movies that are kind of ambiguous drive me nuts. Like fucking anything Damon Lindelof writes, I will throw shit at my TV because he's not close enough for me to throw stuff at him <laughs> personally. Uh, but for some reason, this one, um, I I've never had a problem with it. Like I've never felt cheated or gypped. And I'm I maybe you guys can help me I, I get to the I, bottom of why. I think I, I know think. why. Because in those movies and TV shows and all that stuff. They asked questions and posed mysteries that were never answered. Whereas in this movie, you're on the journey with Donnie. Like, you're learning just as he's learning. You know, there was never 
uh, like this crazy thing that happened, and they're like, oh, we'll explain it later, and then they didn't. Like in Lost, they did that all the time. Mm-hmm. I mean, they they I mean, the characters in the show would actually ask a question like, who the f- like what the fuck is this smoke monster? And then when I got to it, they're like, eh, we don't really know either. Whereas this one, like Donnie's trying to figure out what the hell's going on. We're trying to figure out what the hell's going on. Nobody really knows. Well, I mean, until the end, though. I mean, like I think part of the reason this one holds up is because that there are reasons for everything that happens in the movie. Like, there's justification for I mean, everything. I think. Yeah. I think you're right. I think, and I think you're right too. With with those uh, Lost being a good example. When you get to the solutions, you go, come on, that was bullshit. As to where with this, when you get to the the solutions, even if it's not quite solid, Mm -hmm. you go, that's interesting. That's really interesting. It's not just like, smoke monster is like a weird defense Mm -hmm. mechanism that this guy can control, but not really. Okay, thanks, see ya. You know, some bullshit. Yeah. Um, okay, so let me give you guys the quick little synopsis, and I'm just going to read this right off the box. While I'm on the topic, real quick. Because cause we, we're always tearing into Damon Lindelof on this. Mm-hmm. There's another show that deserves to get the same amount of beef, at least from me. Did you guys watch True Detective? Yes. Mm-hmm. I had the same problem with True Detective. They asked all these crazy questions that they never answered. Season one or season two? Season one. I didn't watch season two. Oh, I liked it a lot. I thought mm-hmm. it made sense. That, well, at the end, it, it didn't make any sense. Like They made it seem like they were all connected and really it was just some crazy fuck fat guy in a house. <laughs> Like there was, they made it like, how were they all so crazy? Why did they all say the same things? How were they all connected? They didn't explain it. I gotta say that at the time I watched it, it made sense, but I haven't seen it since it came out, which was several years ago. So I don't mm-hmm. have the, I don't have it in my head to back it up. But I enjoyed it, and I didn't Just have problems. Several years ago. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that one I liked. I liked a lot, and I thought it made sense at the time. So I don't know. When you could understand what the fuck they were saying. <sighs> Are you so, implying that those? Gentlemen mumble. <laughs> Not that they mumble. I'm sure they were saying words. It's just they have fucked up accents. It's like they were dead, never death. I thought I thought that was some of the best uh, acting out of both of those guys. They did a great job acting. I just didn't hear it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, in the tradition of stir of echoes and Final Destination, Donnie Darko is an edgy psychological thriller about a suburban teen coming face to face with his dark destiny. Jake Gyllenhaal leads a. a a star-filled cast, including Drew Barrymore, Noah Wiley, Jenna Malone, Patrick Swayze, and Mary McDonald as a delusional high school student visited by a demonic rabbit with eerie visions of the past and deadly predictions for the future. Yeah, that's about it. Mm-hmm. That was the DVD yeah. synopsis. But it's a shame. I think they had to, they threw Final Destination and... Uh, Stir of Echoes on there to help it sell, which is kind of a shame because I mean it was it's head and shoulders above Final yeah. Destination. This movie was a marketing disaster anyway. The trailers made it look like a teen slasher movie. Really? And so obviously people were disappointed when they saw it. Yeah, I kind of heard about it the same way you did, Abe. Like, friend of a friend of a friend told my brother, and my brother told me. I didn't see it till I was probably twenty-two. I mm. feel like most of the best stuff comes at you that way, mm-hmm. like. Uh, Matt and you even back in the day said I should watch Avatar I finally did and I'm talking about the animated Avatar it was one of the best fucking series I've ever seen in my life animated series Avatar mm-hmm. not the computer animated <laughs> Correct. James Cameron Avatar although I enjoyed that movie but this one was way better 
Yeah. Okay, so I don't really need to ask this, but did you guys like the movie? I did very much. Yeah. I want to share my first story because what you're saying about you not understanding it. The first time I watched it, um, I had to go or something halfway through it, so I just shut it off. So I watched half of it, and when I watched half of it, I was like, that movie's fucking bizarre. I have no mm-hmm. idea. And I was like, but everybody's talking about it, so I better finish it. So I started it from the beginning again, like a couple weeks later. And I was like, oh, okay, you got to watch the whole thing. Because you stop halfway mm-hmm. through, it won't make any sense. Watching the whole thing, great movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I actually saw this when it first came out, so I was really young. I think I was like 13, and I watched it with my dad and sister. And, you know, a lot of it was lost on me then. Mm-hmm. I didn't watch it for a really long time afterwards. But I, uh, for some reason, I came back and rewatched it, and it was an amazing movie. When you were in film school, was this a big deal for you guys? Um, everybody had seen it, but it wasn't. It wasn't on everyone's radar. No. Okay, because there's like a whole generation of film student where this is their holy grail. Yeah. Everyone's like, holy shit. Because yeah. it's also a great example of an independent film too. Mm-hmm. Like you kind of, you know. All the pieces kind of fell into place for me from, from a really low budget. Do they know that technically Terminator was an independent movie? Yes. Just throwing that out there. <laughs> well, what I'd like to do is is save a lot of the meat of it for the themes and tropes, and so we'll just uh, we'll keep the rest of the segments as on point as we can, and then really dig into it because I think we're gonna have a lot to talk about when we get to that point. Sound good? Sounds good to me. Okay, so now the fun starts with everyone's favorite pieces and parts. Who had a favorite part? I got nothing. I just liked to I liked how good Patrick Swayze was at playing a douche. Because you know what I mean? Like he's always playing like this real cool dude. And man, he nailed the douche role. That mm. character was really interesting because he was one of those phony fucking mm-hmm. Tony Robbins types. Not that Tony Robbins is a phony, just one of those those self help gurus that are feeding you bullshit, selling you shitty books, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he played it well. Yeah. yeah, I'm gonna touch on this again when we get into the themes and tropes, but I really like the part when he confronted that guy. That was just awesome. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. What about you, Matt. Um. I don't, whenever Frank is talking, yeah, <laughs> his dad did something really cool. This is the vocal effect, and the actor did a really good job making it creepy as fuck. Yeah, and he's got an interesting voice anyway. Mm-hmm. Like I've, he's been in quite a few movies, and every time he talks, it's like the fuck. Like, did you ever see the Doom Generation? Mm-mm. He plays a guy, and uh, the whole movie, the the dude with him calls him Nutlicker. So, <laughs> <laughs> We're talking about the guy that played Frank. Yeah, uh-huh. that guy is just perpetually playing an idiot. Yeah, he but just, he's fun to watch. I've never he does, seen he does a good anything job. else. What else is he doing? Independence Day. Yeah. He's like the... Oh, that kid? Uh-huh. uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> Wasn't he in... Um, was he the one in... Uh, I could be mistaken. Um, Mars Attacks, where his grandma That's had the yodeling music? Or am I thinking what of what I guy? thought. I can't remember Mars yeah, t- Attacks. Oh, okay. It's been like 10 years since I've seen it. One year. <laughs> this one I can confirm. It's probably been more like 15 years. Um, my favorite was the uh, the musical montages. 
I, being a child of the 80s, fucking love a musical montage. <laughs> and they will stop, and I think they did it three times, where they just play a whole song yeah. and just show you stuff happening. Mm-hmm. And it, it's so much better than having people just yeah. talk. I mean, granted, if you do like a Rocky training montage, that can be cool and all, but it can be wasted. Like, if you watch Teen Wolf 2, you're just like, what the yeah. fuck are they doing? But in this movie, they did it right. That's, yeah, because he was self-aware, because yeah. he set the movie in the 80s. Yeah, with and he with did a montages. ton of eighties uh-huh. music montages. Yeah, it was really well done. And and the thing about it too was like each of those montages was showing you the world that they lived in, the the mm-hmm. community that they lived in, the school. It showed it went all through the whole school and showed what everyone was up to, and you got to know everyone by this tiny little clip of you know of, of footage while they're playing this song. Like Seth go, Rogen's character is giving the bully cocaine. Sure, <laughs> sure. And you really got to see like the girl the little kids were dancing cuz they're dancers, you know. Yeah. It was just a wonderful yeah. wonderful uh, way to get to know the characters. And the first montage was done by the band Echo and the Bunny Men. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Bunny Men, yeah. Strike that out of <laughs> fucking trivia. Uh, sorry, Billy. <laughs> You're not even the official guy. That's true. <laughs> I'm going to do my best. <laughs> They did the version of People Are Strange in uh, Lost Boys. Hmm. Just throwing that out there. Okay, did did anyone, I don't know, because this is usually Sarah's thing, but I can do it if uh, no one has one. Did, it is time once again to meet your monster. Okay, so the monster in this movie was this bitchy teacher that kept like <laughs> ragging on everybody about the Lord. <laughs> Fuck that bitch! There were so many monsters in this movie. <laughs> no, I would say I would say Frank the Bunny would would qualify as a monster because he's scary. You don't know what he's all about. He seems to be he seems to be uh, manipulating Donnie into doing all these bad things. Which you find out tend to be probably for the best. He's kind of ethereal. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, man, was that a cool-looking costume. Oh, yeah. It's so iconic. Like, just right away you go, like, what the fuck is that? That Richard Kelly is a talented guy because he designed that, and he also did all the drawings in the movie, too. Yeah. That's cool. Super detailed. I didn't know that. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah, he's got some skills. Has he done anything since? He's done a couple movies since... And they're not good. No, really, quite bad. One was that. Remember the box, and it had Cameron Diaz and Richard Langella in it. Mm-hmm. That yes. Domino. That's kind of an indie. Uh, Tony Scott did Domino, didn't he? I think he was just the writer on it. I'm pretty sure he directed it. Which who? Uh, Tony Scott. Right. I'm thinking it was Richard Kelly wrote it. Yeah. Oh. Okay. Oh. Okay. Okay. I got IMDb. Oh, interesting. That's cool. Yeah. Okay. He, yeah. So, so the monster. I, I will go into this a little bit. Okay. So, so Donnie first sees Frank the Bunny in his visions, and he's telling him at a certain time the world's gonna end. And uh, at one point, he asks him to take off his bunny head. He's wearing this bunny suit, and uh, it's got like this weird skull thing with the ears. It's really creepy. And he takes it off, and one of his eyes is like this big hole and you find out later that that was a guy that donnie will later shoot in the eye hence my joke at the beginning <laughs> Which, with the bullet <laughs> yeah, yeah he, doesn't, he doesn't he doesn't come in frank's face 
That's true. <laughs> but there is a Marilyn Manson album where that... There's a song called Fuck Frank. Never mind. Interesting. <laughs> Going off. <laughs> we talking about Freddy's Revenge? <laughs> and that is Frank the Money. Okay. So yeah. we'll move on. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> okay. For each movie, Kathleen digs through all the dirt and slime of the filthy internet. And since she's not here, Colby shall be bringing us this week's terrifying trivia. All right. This one's pretty lengthy, but it has to do with the use of the number eight. All right, so the movie takes place in 1988. Frank tells Donnie that the world will end in 28 days, 6 hours, and 42 minutes and 12 seconds. If you add these numbers, the sum is 88. When Samantha asks when she can have kids, Donnie says, not until the 8th grade. Donnie mentions to his therapist that his dog, Callie, died when he was 8. Donnie jokes about Back to the Future and a DeLorean, which had a speed of 88 miles per hour. According to the television report, the fire at Jim Cunningham's, Cunningham's house was extinguished sometime after 8 o'clock last night. The red-eye flight that almost crashes is flight 2806, which boards at gate 42 at 12 a.m. The climax of Donnie Darko occurs one week before the 1988 U.S. presidential election when George Bush won on November 8, 1988. The movie was shot for a budget of less than $5 million in 28 days, and there are 28 scenes in the director's cut of this film. <laughs> yeah. Those last two don't seem intentional. Yeah. <laughs> do you yeah. think that it it has a lot to do with the eight being similar to the infinity? I would say so. That makes it sense. Because it's a time loop. Yeah. 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 Cool. That's what my speculation would be. Um, during conversations about sex with his therapist, the script had Donnie's fantasies being about Alyssa Milano. This had to be changed to Christina Applegate due to legal reasons. Because Alyssa Milano would have been too young back then. Mm. Was she? Oh, yeah. I heard 88? It. Wouldn't she have been a little kid? He would have been a kid, too. Been yeah, he was 17. So. Hmm. We'll look into that. I think it was a legal reason. Like, she didn't want her name being used. Yeah. Like masturbation. Uh, <laughs> that's where Christina <laughs> Applegate's like, yeah, whatever. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I don't yeah, but. That's cool. <laughs> Blacking up to me? That's cool. Been there, done Um... <laughs> Jake Gyllenhaal uses a strategy of rarely blinking to enhance his psychotic creepiness. But that's really just him, though, right? <laughs> well, did you guys did you guys see Nightcrawler? Yeah. Man, he was fucking creepy in Nightcrawler. Yeah, that plays. guy, get, he gave me the willies for like a week after seeing that. Oh, did he use drooling as a way to enhance the tension as well? <laughs> he, oh, he did drool, didn't he? Um, voted number nine in Film 4's 50 Films to See Before You Die. Cool. Um, and then this last one here is um, there are many comic book references that show up through the film Gretchen comments on Donnie's name as sounding like a superhero to which she replies what makes you think I'm not many characters have alliterative names Donnie Darko, Charita Chen Frankie Fiedler, Day Dennis Joni James, Sean Smith and Donnie Dixon like many comic book heroes Peter Parker, Bruce Banner, Susan Storm I forgot a couple in here Reed Richards, Matt Murdock also, is believed that Donnie is a superhero, and he, as he has powers and uses them to save others. And here's a fun fact about that fun fact: 
uh, the reason all those characters have alliterative names is because Stan Lee admitted that he has a terrible memory, and so he would give his characters alliterative names because if he could remember one, he could remember the other. So he could, if he could remember Matt, he could remember Matt Murdock, Peter Parker, Reed Richards, Susan Storm, Bruce Banner. Matt Stan Lee has contributed a lot to culture. All right, that's it. Yeah, I got a few more. Do you what guys else? listen to Phantom Planet? Hmm. That sounds familiar. Uh, well, uh, the lead singer of that band is the second bully to Seth Rogen in the movie. Really? No. Yeah. <laughs> and then if you watch the special features on the DVD, they have a fake commentary for the inspirational videos. It's like the director <laughs> and his PA, and it's Jake Gyllenhaal like, doing the PA like character, and it's hilarious. You should watch it sometime. Yeah. Sweet. That'll be our next podcast. Yeah. <laughs> And this next one is a piece of trivia for idiots like me who didn't realize until I watched it this time that this takes place at a Catholic school, and that explained a lot for me. The uniforms and stuff? The uniforms and why he talked about why he would lose his job if he continued the conversation. I had the same thing. Mm. I just realized, too, that it took place at a Catholic yeah, school. I was like, why would he lose his job for talking about God and time travel? Oh, wait. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. And... um Another piece of trivia is kind of just a joke that may have gotten missed when that one bitchy lady's talking, or when Donnie Darko's mama's talking about, do you even know who Graham Greene is? Mm-hmm. And it's ironic because he's a very prominent Catholic writer. And it's also even more ironic because um, she really wants to ban that book. And Graham Greene got in trouble because he talked about the sexuality of Shirley Temple when she was nine years old for a film review and so he had to leave the country to avoid litigation Jeez. <laughs> huh. so she she stood by the side of one pedophile but left the side of another <laughs> <laughs> but graham green from my understanding of him he he's a, a pretty good guy oh uh, yeah like i, mean, I I'm, I'm not sure what he said about shirley temple but i've seen a lot of his movies and and uh the writer or the actor that's also part of the joke there's an actor called Graham Greene and Bonanza they're not the same guy no that's the joke she is confusing two different people with the same name I always thought it was the same because he was Native American mm, no the but, writer isn't I don't think oh I'll be damned because that's good to know because the whole time they talk about Graham Greene I'm picturing the Indian actor <laughs> oh, yeah <laughs> the Native American actor the one, who, yeah, the one in Bonanza <laughs> yeah <laughs> huh interesting yeah, I plan on learning a lot tonight because we're, we're going to get deep into this. Um, the only real, uh, usually, oh, okay, we'll go this way. Okay, here on Meet Your Monsters, we like to examine all forms of depravity. And so now for the mathematically perverted, the Colby Count. No boobs, three bodies. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> it just feels like it's so unimportant in this movie, you know? Whereas, like, you know, it's relevant in, say, Nightmare on Elm Street, but... I know there's... I've seen deleted scenes where they show Donnie's body. Yeah. And he's all fucking dead and impaled and shit. I'm glad they took that out. That was a bit much. Yeah. It was cool, but unnecessary. Mm-hmm. It was kind of more uh, interesting the way it went down. Yeah. Okay, um... Normally, I go into a whole big spiel about the special effects, and, this, and the effects were really cool in this, but there was really just the one where they were, uh, it looked like the scene from the abyss with the watery, 
mm -hmm. uh, tendrils cruising out of everybody's chest, which were meant to be their. Uh, he's he's seeing the trajectory of their of their time, future, yeah. their future movements and stuff. I thought that was interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you can tell they weren't happy with those effects though, because in the director's cut they redid all of them. Oh really? To what? What do they look like? Um, I think those stay the same, but there's a lot of other subtle changes. Like there's no more finger motioning them to come forward. They got rid of the bubbly eyes in um, that one scene. I did think the bubbly eyes were a little shitty. It was a bit like, weird. They kind of, I don't know, made it seem cartoony. Yeah, mm, I kind of liked it. Was it true they changed the soundtrack all around for the director's cut? Um, I can't remember. I think that's right though. Probably because. I don't know if they would have had to buy the rights again to re-release it. I don't see why they would. I mean, they, they own everything that went into that movie. I don't know. Okay, the films we discuss in this podcast are horrifying, but sometimes real life is even more fucked up. Brace yourself for the nefarious news. And have me be both mother and father to this podcast. As I'm taking over the women's roles. Hmm. <laughs> Okay, so... Just another man taking a woman's job. <laughs> All right, so this is a story. I thought it'd be... I would look up a story about premonitions. And this one's about American Airlines Flight 191. For ten nights in a row in 1970, David Booth had the same nightmare while deep in sleep. He witnessed a jetliner veering off a runway, flipping completely over, and then bursting into flames. Booth felt compelled to inform the FAA about his dreams. Officials actually listened to what he had to say and concluded that what he was dreaming of uh, was a Boeing 727 or perhaps a DC-10 plane. On the day that David Booth had his last nightmare, American Airlines DC-10 Flight 191 crashed just a few moments after takeoff. One of the plane's engines broke loose, causing an imbalance. The plane flipped under the runway and burst into flames. All 273 passengers aboard died. That's fucking crazy. Mm -hmm. Did he ever have any more? Doesn't say. Was 191 the same flight that was used in Final Destination? <laughs> Didn't say that either. Because right. I feel like that number sounds familiar. <laughs> I've seen Final Destination about 25 times. It's pretty good back in the day. Yeah, I like them. I like them a lot. Yeah. Did you guys see the last one? Yeah. Mm -mm. Man, it was amazing. Because it took them all and like put them together. It's really? awesome. Yeah. Wow. It's, we'll get to them eventually. Mm, yeah. But because it was like, okay, here comes another Final Destination. I'll watch them because they're fun. Mm -hmm. And then at the end of that one, it was like, holy shit. <laughs> they really fucking upped their game on that last one. It was mm. cool. I want it's impossible for us to run out of movies. So oh, no, 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 no. We're on 50 and we haven't even scratched the surface mm -hmm. of. Of horror, we could start doing it every day. It'd be yeah. fine. Yeah, I haven't even finished Halloween or Nightmare on Elm Street yet. Yeah, we've got one Friday the Thirteenth, and it wasn't even the original series; it was the remake. Mm. And there's fucking ten of those. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> yeah, we got plenty of movies to to get to. <clears throat> okay, hours of effort and creativity go into making a movie, and there's always a some asshole just waiting to shit on it. So on behalf of the underappreciated horror filmmakers, we are here to take revenge with the critical critique. My God, they've all gone. I think so. Colby, Colby. Can't be stopped. Okay, so this one comes from Chris Gore of Film Threat. 
Again, I don't care to look up if this is a magazine or a blog because, eh, fuck this guy. So, he says, you either love it or you hate it. For those who loved it, I have only one word, overrated. You know, he seems to me like the type of person that you'd hear loudly yelling to his friend that doesn't really seem to enjoy hanging out with him about, like, all the things he thinks and, like, how stupid everybody else is, you know? You know what? I bet he's the type of person, too, that he would tell you that he thinks Donnie Darko is overrated and then immediately followed up with, like, a European film that he's mm. seen that's much better. He's been to Prague. Yeah. Don't <laughs> It's better in French. Yeah. La fin de absolute de mal. <laughs> okay, let's get mad about murder with Matt's themes and tropes. There's a lot okay. to get through. Yeah. What I would like to know then is okay, so so Donnie Darko, and I'm I'm asking here because I don't quite know. If if you guys are on board with this, okay. So he he essentially sees an alternate timeline where a lot of bad things happen, and he sacrifices himself to change it. Mm-hmm. Is that is that what's going on here? Yeah, yeah. like in a way, yeah. I got it that he did all these great things, but he saw all the terrible things that were going to happen, and it wasn't worth it. So he well, died. In the manner of the of him being the superhero that he was, you know, talked about, he he really did save a lot of people. Mm-hmm. The entire flight crew and his mom and sister and the dance team, all those people, would be saved. Gretchen would be saved. Frank would be saved. Um, everyone who who died really mm-hmm. only died because he lived. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So how did all that come about, though? Like, what what allowed him to to change that? Exactly. Um, well, my opinion is that, uh, like, he wasn't the one changing it. Uh, I always figured that Frank was showing him why he had to die. Oh, because, that's an interesting uh, idea. Um, so... So that he could come to terms with it? Mm-hmm. Interesting. He somehow gained the privilege of knowing why, and that's... Um, because he kind of says that his greatest fear is dying alone, and, and he was and laughing, he's, and he's and the, the Frank was like basically kind of guiding him through because he was like, "Well, you're going to die alone if you don't die. This is what's going to happen." Oh, boy, and I he like did kind of get to go through and mend all the fences. Like he had a better relationship with his sister by the end of it. His mom, he got to experience... Like, if you even noticed, too, like, his eyes went from kind of, like, half dead in the beginning of the movie to they got, like, brighter and brighter by the end of it because he was, like, you know, doing the things he wanted to do. He had a girlfriend. He got, got to, to get tell some off, ass. Yeah, he got to tell off a motivational speaker. He <laughs> told his teacher to ram a book up her ass. <laughs> oh, my God. It's like American Beauty, like a dark version of American Beauty. <laughs> yeah. It's fucking amazing. Yeah. God, I like this movie even more. Yeah. I never thought of that. That's a really good theory, yeah. Because, um, I mean, the Christ metaphor is definitely there. Mm-hmm. Like, he has to die to save these people. And then when he leaves the movie theater, you see the marquee, The Last Temptation of Christ. So mm-hmm. his last evil deed before he sacrifices himself. Yeah. Boy, that's fascinating. Um, boy, that's cool. Because he did say that he was he didn't want to die alone. And then when he 
got to that point, he was happy to. Yeah. Like he was he was comfortable with it. He was laughing. He was ready for it. Mm-hmm. Man, that's cool. The movie gets better every time I see yeah. it. Yeah. It's one of those like you just puzzle it all out and go, man, yeah. this mm-hmm. shit is awesome. If that guy never makes another good movie, he's done all right. He'll still have well, this. He's done all right. Yeah. He'll always have done it. <laughs> one of the, the notes I wrote to myself in here is it was kind of like the modern day Catcher in the Rye, and that was the only thing J.D. Salinger did. And the only good thing he did? I actually heard recently he had another book coming out soon. <laughs> yeah, he did. Published by, yeah, because his son is he? found a manuscript, right? Did he? Because yeah. I, I, just, I, I just saw the headline. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, his son found an old manuscript, or somebody found it, and I guess they're publishing it. Interesting. Wow. So yeah. when you die, burn everything. <laughs> because <laughs> they'll find it. <laughs> Funny story, Franz Kafka, you know, the really famous writer, he never published any of his stuff, and when he was dying, he called his friend and said, burn everything. And the guy was like, okay, and then didn't, and released all his stuff, and everybody's, yeah. you know, Franz Kafka's a genius. and. Hmm. My friend is a dick. <laughs> it was well, basically you know, like he asked him to delete the internet history, and he just didn't. He posted I mean, it online. Yeah. I think, you know, he like put it on the cloud. <laughs> he saw it was like, this is really good shit. Everybody should yeah. read this. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to burn this. never goes that way. Like, Emily Dickinson sent some poetry to a publisher, and they told her to eat shit. <laughs> so she died, like, sad and alone. And then when her stuff came out, it was, like, the most amazing stuff ever. Mm-hmm. And you go, like, God damn it. Yeah. She could have. She could have had a, a really happy, prosperous life. Instead, she's like, "Kill me." Yeah. Good enough. Yeah. Nikola Tesla. He went out the same way. Mm-hmm. But that was because of Tom Edison. Yeah. That's true. Frying elephants and <laughs> fucking over people. Yeah. <laughs> Stampy. Oh, uh, okay. What what other kind of themes and stuff you got in there, Matt? Um. Oh, uh, one was that. I kind of picked up on it more this time, and it's that that time was already kind of starting to loop. They'd already been set on this path, because he starts, when he's walking home with Gretchen, he's walking home in front of Patrick Swayze's house, and he talks about when he was younger, he went to jail for arson. Oh, interesting. And then when she leaves, she, like, stands in front of a car, like, as she says goodbye to him, a red car, like the one she got hit by. And then that's also the reason why the old lady is constantly checking her mailbox. Because she's waiting for his letter. Yeah. She's oh, already fuck seen me. The that is. Oh my god. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I noticed. I noticed one too. Like there was recognition between Gretchen and his mom. Like she waved at him, or she waved at her, like knowingly. And I always thought that was that was strange. Yeah. And, oh yeah, and also there. Well, I think this is mostly a mistake instead of a. Time loop. There's, you know, the kid in the video who's like, I'm not afraid anymore. Mm-hmm. He is also present at the auditorium meeting. He's the one Donnie tells to kick that kid in the balls. Oh, yeah? <laughs> it's the same kid. <laughs> Interesting. But, um, and then a lot of the stuff, a lot of the stuff he drew from was from Watership Down. There was originally more scenes about that book in the movie, hmm. which, if you haven't read it, is about, you know, rabbits moving. Mm-hmm. from place to place to avoid a flood. And that's why he floods the school, because in Watership Down, a rabbit has a premonition of the field flooding with blood, and that's the omen to go, and that's why he floods the school. It's basically the flooding of the field. And that's also why that dog gets an axe in the head, because in 
the book and the movie, a dog kills one of the main characters. And so it's kind of Frank's revenge, like a rabbit killing a dog. Hmm. Yeah. mascot. That's fascinating. I remember seeing the animated Watership Down. It was fucking scary oh and God. sad. It was rough. <laughs> I was like, God damn it. <laughs> I was watching cartoons. <laughs> what the fuck happened? There's a scene when, um, when they're watching... Uh, after Donnie has burned down um, Patrick Swayze's character's house, uh, they find a bunch of kitty porn and arrest him for, for this kitty porn loop. And, and uh, his sister's watching it and freaking out. And I had the similar thing. I'm, I'm sure I've told you guys this story with the, the prostitute at my school. I remember this is the first time I've heard about a prostitute at your school. Really? Okay. <laughs> so so um, I'm watching the news one day, and it says, it has a picture of this guy, and it says, Mike Jones, gay prostitute. And I went, I know that guy. How do I know a gay prostitute? <laughs> and then it occurred to me that he was one of the the figure drawing models from my school. Oh. Uh, one of the life drawing models who'd come in and we'd draw. So I have hundreds of drawings of a gay prostitute. <laughs> well, uh, <laughs> that's that's going to be hard to explain <laughs> to the Tell him why, yeah. he, why he was on the news. So the reason he was on the news was he was the one who had been having sex with um, what Ted, was, Haggard. Ted Haggard. Remember that? The priest. Big... Or the... the was he a priest? No, he wasn't a priest. He was like a pastor. Pastor, yeah. And they were that big church in Colorado Springs. Mm-hmm. And he got busted, like, doing meth and having sex with the gay prostitutes. And, and that was the gay... See, so what happened was he, come, he comes out and says, like, homosexuality is wrong. And Mike Jones is like, I just fucked this dude. <laughs> and sold him meth. Dang. And so he's like, well, I'm not letting that slide. And he comes out and tells everybody, like, this just bullshit. Yeah, yeah, it was cool. <laughs> and what was what was interesting was that the school fired him. Uh, As a model? Allegedly, yeah. Not because of him being a gay prostitute, mm-hmm. but because he sold math. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, that's... <laughs> so I can get behind that. <laughs> yeah, <so> yeah. <laughs> that was what we heard anyway. Yeah. Could all be fake. I don't know. I won't say what school or anything. <laughs> but uh, fascinating, yeah. though, because I remember, like, watching that, and I was like... Gay prostitute. <laughs> okay, prostitute. Mike? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We used to call him Big Mike. And then, yeah, it was just like, huh, interesting. But it, oh, it just, man. when I saw that scene, I was like, I've been there. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's see. What else did I want to talk about? Oh, yeah. Okay. So there's this scene where they're, the teacher is is going through this ridiculous exercise where she's talking about on one end is fear and on the other end is love and all these situations you know are a product of one or the other and he basically tells her she's stupid and to shove it up her ass or whatever and so he's in trouble and his parents go into the office and uh it's clear to everyone that this woman is so full of shit (laughs) and i just think like i don't have any children but like as a parent that's got to be rough when you like you know your kid is right but they're socially wrong, like they're wrong given the, the circumstances. Yeah, there was a really good contrast in the movie where the the teacher who was full of shit was was praised while the teacher who actually was trying to teach them good things was fired, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, that's why a lot of movies like this are kind of popular. It's mostly wish fulfillment because we all would like to go back to high school when we're as smart as we are now. Oh, my God. And mm-hmm. just be like, you know, just do exactly what he did. Like, you're an idiot. Yeah. And yeah, I can't tell you how many motivational speakers that 
like I look back on I'm like that guy I don't know what the fuck he was talking about. Mm-hmm. They just use those buzzwords like belief and hope. <laughs> if you can dream it. We had a motivational speaker come to my home ec class one time, and uh, I remember well, the one thing he said that stuck out was that we should get the dirt from under our fingernails. Because I thought that was such an odd thing, just a very specific thing. But he had a lot of really nice things to say. And then later on, he found his wife sleeping with another man, and he murdered her. <laughs> that's a true story. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's what he meant, like, I'm get this dirt from underneath my fingernails. But I, I just remember, like, having hearing him talk, that was the one thing that resonated. Because, like, I always had long fingernails, and I am always, like, had shit under them and stuff like that. And he was talking about self-respect and cleaning yourself mm. and personal hygiene. And I remember, like, I really should get this shit out from under my nose. <laughs> and so that stuck with me growing up. And then uh, when I heard that he had killed his wife, I was like, oh, damn, that guy was, like, telling us to be nice. <laughs> but, but those nails, though. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Filthy. <laughs> you know, that reminds me, I, I think a lot of times those type of people, too, that I use these really like bold statements and if it sounds bold you're like whoa that's impactful but when you start thinking about it you're like wait a minute that's kind of bullshit you know uh, and I remember one I thought of somebody told me uh, it was like a philosophy or an ethics teacher or something like that told them they said nobody can hurt your feelings only you can mm-hmm. and I was like at first like whoa and I thought I was more like that's fucking bullshit yeah. like if somebody's uh, constantly telling you how shitty you are I don't give a fuck who, how strong you think your your mind is you're gonna have your feelings hurt. That's yeah. weird. That's like a. That's it's like a real way that some people think. Like only you, like people can't make you feel bad. Only you can make you feel bad. It's like no. no. That's how a serial killer thinks. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think I get my feelings hurt all yeah. the time. <laughs> I think it's your justification for being an asshole. <laughs> yeah, this is one of those movies that it's beautiful to look at. It's fun to watch. There's a lot of great scenes. The the banter between the family is hilarious. Mm-hmm. Everyone seems like they're they're on their game. It's it's wonderfully done, and it leaves you with a lot to think about. Yeah, when you, and it's yeah, it's all this like you know, deep stuff. But they did a really good job of keeping it light. Like you yeah, know, like there's jokes interspersed throughout. Everybody was kind of a goofball. Mm-hmm. It, was, it was nice. It's entertaining and impactful. It had a lot of of what felt like real life. Yeah. Even though it was this fantasy, this crazy time travel, <laughs> murdery thing. <Yeah. laughs> In closing, to feed the sun god with junk food movie dialogue, we offer unto you the Quetzalcoatl. <laughs> the winged serpent of quotes. Who's got a good one? I've got a good one. Go ahead. Um, when they're at the bus stop, his friend gives... Donnie a cigarette and he goes good shit huh and Donnie goes it's a fucking cigarette <laughs> mine was that bitchy lady and she's talking to Donnie's mom I doubt your commitment to spark emotion <laughs> <laughs> see that means just keeping it light <laughs> cause that lady was crying and dramatic oh, and yeah. it was fucking hilarious because her her hero got busted for kitty porn uh-huh. mm-hmm. I picked this one um, they're watching Grandma Death check her mail over and over again. And one of the kids says, Someone ought to write that bitch. Because <laughs> <laughs> someone did. Because I was thinking the same thing, <laughs> only not quite as eloquently. <laughs> and if anybody can tell us what the deal was with Sharita's earmuffs, please. 
enlighten me because I don't get it even now. Was that did was there anything to that or did he? I just... mean, I don't know why. Why? <laughs> she kept saying "shut up" to everyone, and then had earmuffs on, so she just didn't want to hear anything. Well, okay. <laughs> I'll yeah. take that. Yeah. I, like, I kind of take that as, too, as like, as like a security blanket type mm. of view, you know? What I thought was really interesting about that was she she ran away from him, even though he was trying to be nice to her, and w- she had written his name on her books, right? She had a mad crush on him, mm. which I thought was cute yeah. and sad, you know, in the way that adolescent crushes are cute and sad. Because they usually don't go anywhere. And then you look back at yourself at 25 and you're like, what a fucking idiot. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's typical. I'm just saying you look back and you're like, oh, Jesus. Yeah. Just crying on the phone to her. <laughs> Asking her mom to let me see her. Jesus. <laughs> that didn't really happen, I'm just saying. Oh, okay. You did crazy shit. I was like, dude, this is real talk? No, no. <laughs> okay, that is the end of Meet Your Monsters for this week. Uh, thanks to you, my friends, for hanging out with me. All right. We're yeah. a skeleton crew tonight. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Thanks to you at home for listening. Jack, I know you're out there. Um, ben, if you're listening. New listener, Gabby. Yeah. Gabby, Ben. Thanks, guys. Is that Tay sister? Mm-hmm. Right mm-hmm. on, right on. Yeah. Well, why can't Tay listen if Gabby can? Uh, Gabby, show Tay our podcast. She'd like it. Trust me. Yeah. Yeah. We are on a first-name basis with all our... Li- no. Yeah. <laughs> we know all of our listeners. <laughs> Seriously, there's four. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, Colby. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, um, if you want to follow along, next week's movie will be um, Tucker and Dale versus Evil. Oh, nice. And uh, that's all I got. See ya. (laughs) 